Good evening, Australia, and hello to the rest of the world. Hang on, I'm getting some feedback. Let me just, uh, I may turn off. Let's see if that's any better. Okay. Are you guys hearing double? Because I'm hearing double, and I don't know why. Hang on a second. Okay, guys, I'm just going to have to ask for your patience for a minute. I'm going to take these headphones down. Okay, bear with me a minute. I am going to turn these headphones off and hope that that's okay. The joys of live broadcasting. I'm just going to turn these headphones off and pray for the best. So, welcome to Under the Wire. Um, I'm just going to turn on the volume so that I can hear whether or not there is any feedback. Bear with me, and I do apologize. Hang on a second. Okay, hopefully that's better now. I can't hear anything, um, but I'm hoping that you're able to hear me without any feedback, because I was definitely getting feedback before. This sound thing always seems to be an issue. I can see your comments. If you happen to be watching on Twitch, I can see your comments. If anybody would like to say hi and let me know whether or not the sound is good, that would be fantastic. I'd appreciate it. So welcome to Under the Wire. Feedback. Let me just... Oh, and let me turn off the sound on the iPad so we're not getting that back as well. And welcome to Under the Wire once again. I have an awful lot of information to go through this evening, so let's get started. There, this last week, like actually most weeks that have been uh, in the last couple of years, this last week has been chock-a-block with information, some of it good, some of it not so good, um, and demonstrations of a government that has A, gone mad with power, and B, is terrified that they're going to be caught out for their crimes against humanity because um, the Australian government, like many governments around the world, um, have committed many crimes against humanity. The first piece I'd like to share with you is one from The Australian. I actually got the full text after I put the folder together with all of the information. So the full text is not in there um, and it's behind a paywall. Um, for those who are on Rumble, oh, thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. John says that he's able to hear okay now. That's great, thank you. Um, so for those who are on Rumble or who visit me on my Substack page, informedchoice.substack.com, there is a link to a WeTransfer folder which has videos and all of the files 
that we're going to be referring to tonight. So you'll be able to have those to share and to keep and to download. And that link will be good for about 30 days. So uh, don't delay too long, but you don't have to do it straight away. So this first post is, should boomers be legally made to rent their spare room? Now, as a boomer <laughs> myself, uh, and not quite an empty nester, because I still do have one child living with me, um, I actually take uh, exception to anyone telling me what I have to do with my own home. Um, until the government buys me a house, I don't think they have any right to tell me what I need to do with my house. And if the government is going to allow unbridled immigration and um, going to take people's jobs away so that they can no longer pay rent and engineer flooding and fires so that people lose their homes and have no place to live, uh, it is up to the government to actually find accommodation for people. It's not up to me and other boomers. So this article asks about whether or not the government should legally require us to use our spare bedrooms for uh, putting up other people. Um, I saw someone post on Twitter, they said, pay me $1,000 a week per room and I'll consider it. And you know what, for $1,000 a week, I consider it too. But I would consider it at my behest, not at the government's. And I, the, the beginning of this article just gives you an idea of what it's about. I used to feel guilty about continuing to live in our family home. In the years after children left, it seemed selfish to rattle around in a house. Selfish? I don't know about that. You bought that house. You paid for it. You furnished it. Nobody else did it for you. If you want to live in it, live in it. If you think you need to downsize, get out. Sell it. But nobody has the right to tell you that you have to move, allow people to move in with you. Um, so this is just, uh, I guess, a symptom of a government gone mad. Now, as many of you know, Ivermectin for a very long time was not allowed to be prescribed, even though study after study had shown that it was very good for respiratory illnesses, also very good for cancer, very good for many things that um, affect the immune system. And in fact, Anthony Fauci um, had written an article in 2003 about how Ivermectin was one of the most effective treatments for SARS, the original SARS. But um, because they would never have been able to get an emergency authorization or a provisional approval for the COVID jab, if there was a treatment available, all treatments, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D, vitamin C, all of these things had to be criminalized. Um, so for most of the scamdemic, you were not able to get a prescription for ivermectin and doctors who tried to prescribe it were being criminalized. Um, there is a, a young doctor, uh, she's in her 40s, which is young for me, uh, on Twitter who is right now going through a court case with Opera, and they want to send her to jail and fine her, I think, $22,000 for every prescription she wrote for ivermectin. Um, and ivermectin was decriminalized in Australia. In other words, doctors were allowed to start prescribing it for COVID in May this year. But until then, no doctor except specialists could prescribe it. And um, this 
article by Megan Redshaw, who is wonderful. She's with the Children's Health Defense in the United States, I believe. Um, she wrote an article on her Substack. Most intensive ivermectin use had 74% reduction in excess deaths in Peru. So she's quoting a study here where ivermectin was being used on a broad basis, and there was a 74% decline in deaths. Um, the state in India of Uttar Pradesh, I know I'm probably slaughtering the pronunciation of that, um, they, I think they lost their deaths completely after the government started sending a package of ivermectin and two antibiotics to every household. Um, they went from having the highest death rates in India to having no deaths at all once ivermectin was used. Now, our government refused to allow us to use this, and I believe that that is a criminal act, and they need to be held accountable um, by law. They need to be held accountable for that. So what's happening? The government is losing control. They're losing power. Um, nobody really cares about COVID anymore. Uh, even the people who were the real uh, COVID crazies, and I shouldn't probably refer to them as that, but the people who masked alone in their car and, um, you know, kept social distancing in their household from everyone else who lived with them, um, they're starting to realize that COVID is not the deadly disease they've been told it is. So in order to maintain control, we have to have another scare, and it's starting. Um, this is from the UK, the independent new COVID wave has begun and masks should be worn again, scientists warn. Spread of new variant could cause extreme pressure on NHS, where have we heard this before, two weeks to flatten the curve, and cause more damaging long-term health problems, SAGE experts says. Um, so they are trying to make up a new variant that supposedly they've identified, even though um, hundreds, literally hundreds of uh, freedom of information requests around the world have yet to show um, that the original SARS-CoV-2 has ever been identified. Uh, now we have all these new variants, Eris and all these other ones. And this one is going to be bad, we're being told. It's being really bad. In fact, it's the real deal. New ultra-mutated. Ultra-mutated. How do you like that? That's science. COVID variant dubbed the real deal may already be in the UK, experts warn. Scientists are closely watching a new COVID variant that's already been detected in two countries. As one health expert said, it could begin spreading in the UK, quote, very soon. I see a lot of coulds here. Um, and, you know, may. This is not anything positive. This is not anything scientific. This is guesswork or let's make you know what up. And there it shows a picture of a woman sitting on a couch. Behind her, I just noticed, there is a bottle of, um, what do they call that? The antiseptic that you wash your hands with. Um, and she's wearing a mask, even though she's sitting alone on the couch. Uh, it is, they're trying to ramp up the fear once again, and it's working as far as the government is concerned. This is from Infowars.com, but the U.S. government has said that full COVID restrictions will begin to roll out in mid-September this year, so a little over a month. 
from now or just about a month from now. Um, we're going to be getting social distancing, masking, um, all of this quarantining, requirements to uh, to you know take tests and all of that. So the government in the United States wants to um, bring back the restrictions on COVID in mid-September. Now, if it's an emergency, if people are dropping dead on the street, and if this is spreading through the through the community and killing people, why wait until mid-September? It's so much a pandemic, not a pandemic. And I've got to tell you that the only way that this is going to happen is if we let it happen. I love this little meme. I comply because I want it to end, says the nice woman pouring a cup of tea with a mask on. And the other woman said, it's because you comply that it will never end. We all need to say no. We are not going to wear masks. We are not going to social distance. We are not going to take stupid PCR tests that can't tell us anything. We're not going to quarantine. We're not going to do two weeks to flatten the curve. We're not going to do any of that. And if enough of us stand up and say no, there is absolutely nothing the government can do about it. It's up to us to make sure that we do not allow this to happen because I don't think any of us out there want to go through another three years of hell, which is basically what COVID was. And it was totally needless, totally useless. There was no reason whatsoever for us to have done even one thing because let's face it, before the jab came in, mortality was down like crazy. People were not dying. Um, you know, there was no excess mortality. In fact, the excess mortality was down. So we're, we're being told a line of bull and we need to not allow it to actually um, govern what we do and say. I'm just going to very quickly touch on this article. It is in the folder um, and it's one that I think we all need to um, to read. This is written by Dr. Meryl Nass, and she's someone I've been following since the first Gulf War. She was one of the few scientists who came out and talked about the dangers of anthrax vaccines and the dangers of the pesticides that they were covering these poor soldiers um, head to toe in, causing all sorts of problems and death. So she's been around for a very long time. She's fighting right now to maintain her license because the government in Maine, I think it is, is trying to take her license away from her. She's a great researcher. I have interviewed her on Under the Wire before. And she says that this article is the most, most important article that she's ever written in her entire career. So you know that it's a pretty cool article. Um, and it sort of feeds into what we've been talking about, how the government wants to keep constant pandemics going, constant fear, constant control, so that they can tell us what to do at all times, every time. And she is talking about the World Health Organization's proposed amendments, which we've talked about before. I've interviewed James Roguski about this, and I've also interviewed Katie Ashby Coppins, uh, Coppins sorry, about this too. And um, she's talking about how if these uh, amendments go through and the they are uh, ratified, which, I mean, they're already ratified because everyone who's fined 
who has signed the treaty, every country that has signed the treaty has basically said to the World Health Organization, if you pass amendments, we will agree to be bound by them. Um, if the World Health Organization amendments go through as they want them to be, then they can declare a pandemic at any time. And as a result of that, we will be in a constant state of pandemic and a constant state of control, not even by our own government here in Australia or in the United States or wherever you're watching this from. We will be in a constant state of control from the World Health Organization, which will basically be a one world government. I urge everyone to download that folder from WeTransfer to read this article. It is 17 pages, so you may not want to read it all at once, but do read it over the next few days and share it as widely as you can because um, we're at a tipping point. We've been here for a while. Uh, we, we go sometimes one way, sometimes the other. If we tip towards the government, then um, it, we may reach a point where we have no freedoms left whatsoever. And I don't think any of us want that. So we need to be aware. We need to be active. We need to remember that what we are going through now, the world went through in the 1930s and 40s in Nazi Germany. And too many people say, oh, this is nothing like Nazi Germany, nothing at all. Well, I'd like to share this little snippet of a video with you. This is a Canadian journalist, prostitute, um, who's talking. This is about a year ago, so this is not brand new information. But at that time, he was talking about how to handle the anti-vaxxers. And I'd like you to watch this. We've had a big problem with anti-vaxxers. And I have a solution to the anti-vaxxer question. And some might even say the final solution to the anti-vaxxer question. Here's what we're gonna do. Just to start, we're gonna take little stickers and we're gonna put them on the houses of all the unvaccinated people, just so people know who they are and where they live. And if that doesn't work, what we're gonna do is take all the unvaccinated people, put them on cattle cars and ship them off to work camps. Nice, big, powerful work camps, either in Northern Ontario or in Quebec. And here's how this is gonna work. We're gonna force them to work free labor, get them to build this stuff, and segregate them. So it's killing multiple birds with one stone. Not only are we taking these dirty, disgusting, unvaccinated people and removing them from society, but we're also using them to work for us. And we can even loot them and use their assets to fund other parts of society. Now, the way this will work is that they can leave at any time, as long as they are vaccinated. And I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it's the one thing that as a society we could do to solve the problem, to solve people just not wanting to get vaccinated. I've tried everything. I've tried talking with them. I've tried being nice to them. I can tell you that doesn't work. The only thing that works with these dirty, unvaccinated people is maximum pressure. You got to keep that pressure on. And if it means labeling them, if it means taking them, stripping them of all their rights and sending them to work camps, I'm all for it. How do you like that? If it means stripping those dirty, disgusting, unvaccinated people of all their rights, he's good with that. Just replace the word dirty, unvaccinated people with dirty Jews, and you can see a very strong connection. The Nazis from the 1930s and 40s are still with us, and that young man 
is one of them. He is a Nazi, and that is not a Godwin. That is an actual comparison, and I think it's quite valid. So we need to be aware of the real dangers to us and to our families from people like that. And we need to stand together and stand strong because you can't hide from this. The hiding days are over. You have to stand up and be strong. Now, I've already spoken with many people about the fact that my YouTube channel. Now, I had a YouTube channel under the wire um, and it was probably two years um, that I was able to broadcast on YouTube. And it was fantastic because that's where I got most of my views, YouTube and Facebook. Um, and Facebook banned me and about eight or nine months ago. YouTube, I was banned about 18 months ago. Every video was taken down. Luckily, we pretty well knew it was going to happen because we had two strikes. And we knew that on the third strike, we'd be out. So we downloaded everything and saved everything off of YouTube and off of Facebook. Um, but my new YouTube channel, um, even though I've only done four videos, I've had one video taken down, no explanation, just in breach of their uh, terms of service. And after no strike on that one, but two videos were taken down and I have two strikes and all I get is one more and then the, the channel gets deleted completely. That is with the current YouTube terms and conditions. YouTube has actually brought in new medical misinformation policies saying that they will delete any content that contradicts the World Health Organization guidance. Remember I said how the WHO wants to be the world government basically above question, above any laws, above anything. They will be a law unto themselves. Well, YouTube is working closely with them, as is Meta and Threads, which is Zuckerberg's uh, offerings. And um, what this basically means is that anyone on YouTube um, who says anything about COVID or any other drugs that the World Health Organization does not approve of will have their page deleted. Today, August 20th, was the deadline for people to submit their submissions, to submit their submissions, to send in their submissions to ACMA, the Australian Communications and Media Authority, um, uh, in opposition to the legislation that the government wants to pass on mis- and disinformation. And I've gotten a slew of submissions in the last two days. I think that we're well over, me personally, I'm well over um, 250 submissions that have been sent to me. The latest one that I got, oh my God, it is unbelievable. I only glanced at it, but it is it is totally referenced. It is, I think, 127 pages long. It is, I haven't had a chance to read it all, but it's scholarly and amazing. And that is just so if, if people have, people who've sent in submissions via my Substack, I've got 250 of them, and that would only be the very, very tip of the iceberg. Um, there would be thousands and hopefully tens of thousands of submissions that have been sent in. ACMA said that they will be publishing all submissions on their website. I've yet to see even one submission go up. And if I do not, like today was the deadline, 
um, tomorrow, if I don't see any submissions, I will be contacting them and asking when they will be putting submissions up on the website because I know they're probably flooded with submissions and that's wonderful to hear. Um, of course, it depends whether they will actually read and listen to what the Australian public want. What I also want to know is what percentage of the submissions are in favor of this legislation and what percentage are opposed. If it is like the submissions that were sent in when the AVN worked with other organizations and managed to get a Senate inquiry into no jab, no pay, um, there were over 4,500 submissions to that inquiry and less than 10 of them were in favor of no jab, no pay. All the rest of them were opposed and no jab, no pay went through anyway. So we will see if they'll listen to the people Four or 5,000, they may not listen to 10 or 20,000. You bet they will. They don't want the anger of that many Australians. So thank you to everyone who sent in their submissions. And let's keep our eyes on this and be aware that the threat is real to our freedom of speech. What I am talking about right now will not be allowed. And Gab which a lot of you may know about. Gab is a social media company. Um, they actually received a takedown order from New Zealand, from the New Zealand government. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the, uh, what the issue was, but they were told that they had to delete a, uh, a post, or not a post, an entire page of one of the Gab subscribers because it breached New Zealand's rules regarding mis and disinformation. I don't think it was COVID. I think it was something else. And Gab refused to. They said they're not going to do it. They stand for free speech and they stand under the, um, the First Amendment in the United States. We need all the social media companies. Let's see if Twitter will be willing to put their money where their mouth is under Elon Musk. Um, so watch this space. But again, thank you everyone for all of your support and all of your time that you took to actually send in these submissions. Now, We've got COVID jabs, which of course, of course are causing an incredible number of issues in people around the world. And myocarditis and heart attacks are some of the most obvious issues. Um, as I covered in a, in a under the wire a couple of weeks ago, a study out of Switzerland showed that one person in 35 who gets the COVID booster um, develops myocarditis as a result. And uh, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Peter McCullough, who is the most published cardiologist in the world, uh, just came out yesterday and said that 100% of the people who die of heart attacks following COVID boosters, I'm pretty sure it's boosters, not the initial ones, but 100% of them, um, there is a causal link between the injection and their death. So it is killing 100% of the people who are dying from heart attacks and the government can't see a safety signal. But what the media and the government can do is try and lie about why these people 
are dying of heart attacks. And I'm going to go through some of the more ridiculous ones with you. You've probably seen some of these. I'll just go through them really quickly. Moms who give birth in their early 20s are at higher risk of heart attack and stroke, according to a study. Fact checkers. <laughs> so fact checkers say this post contains at least one altered photo or video that could mislead people. But can you imagine if you have babies when you're young? We've always been told that if you have babies when you're young, you will your bodies will bounce back and you will be the healthiest. But they are trying to blame um, having a baby young with a higher risk of heart attack and stroke. Chances are all of these pregnant women who died of heart attacks or strokes uh, at after their birth were jabbed during their pregnancy. Here's one. Um, motorists want noise cameras installed to clamp down on loud cars because loud cars actually cause heart attacks and strokes. How do you like that? <laughs> hi there. Hi there, Karen. Um, yes, all of this will be on Rumble. So if you want to watch it later on, it'll be here. Uh, this week, we didn't miss the first couple of minutes, so we're good. Um, so uh, loud cars cause heart attacks. Energy price bill rise may cause heart attacks and strokes. Now, I just got an incredibly high electric bill, which shocked me to the core, but I don't think it's going to cause a heart attack. Um, but they are actually saying that energy price bills and the, the rising energy bills could cause heart attacks, chest infections, mental health problems, and ill health in children. That's amazing. What a long bow to draw. Not wearing a mask can cause a heart attack. Soaring heart attacks due to lack of masking. That's science for you. And up to 300,000 people facing heart-related illnesses due to post-pandemic stress disorder. Now, Instead of post-traumatic stress disorder, it's post-pandemic stress disorder. And this article is trying to blame COVID infections for these illnesses and, and the increase in stress, where study after study after study and long-term and large studies, including one out of Israel that showed no link between COVID infections and myocarditis or heart attacks and stroke, but a very strong connection between COVID injections and heart attack and stroke. Let's ignore all that. Let's make believe it doesn't exist. Video games may trigger rare heart attacks in kids. Kids are dying of heart attacks now. So um, Jake Gallagher died of a heart attack while playing video games. The UK teen's death made international headlines. Um, now this is actually, I didn't look at the year. I thought it said 2023. This is 2013. So my apologies. This is an old article. Just ignore it. Make believe I didn't share that. Um, here is another new article though. Referee whistles may cause sudden i mean the the english in here is terrible it's the irish examiner i'm sure they speak english in ireland i don't know why the throughout this whole snippet the um the english is terrible referee whistles may be a cause of sudden increase in heart problems among sports players experts say now we all know that a lot of athletes are dropping dead on the field or having heart attacks on the field. And they are blaming the whistle of the referee for these deaths. How stupid do you have to be to believe this? How stupid do journalists have to be to write this crap? Um, 
All incidents are non-vaccine related. The public has been uh, urged to ignore misinformation recently circulating on social media platforms. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Just listen to what these people say because they're saying that referee whistles are the real cause. And, you know, getting clean. Cleanliness is next to death, actually. Heart attacks. The shower habit that could precipitate a heart attack in the quote, healthy. So showers are deadly. They really are. Um, you shouldn't do it. Just stay really, really dirty and you'll, you're fine. You'll never have a heart attack. You'll never have a stroke. This is the kind of moronic information or mis talk about misinformation. ACMA, they should be citing these people. And um, lockdown legacy, record numbers hospitalized with heart attacks post-pandemic. This is in the UK. Uh, over 84,000 patients were admitted to hospital because of a heart attack in 2021-22. A rise of more than 7,000 in a year and 2022 to 23 is higher still. And they are saying that um, this is a legacy of the lockdowns, that lockdowns cause heart attacks. Now, lockdowns do cause mental illness. There's no doubt about that. But do they cause heart attacks? No. The COVID jabs cause heart attacks. And doctors are completely baffled. Young people are more likely to die of heart attacks post-COVID, study finds. But why? And this is, again, blaming these heart attacks on covid it is not COVID infections. As it is, we don't even know that COVID exists because they've never isolated the virus or identified it. But let's assume for argument's sake that it does. Study after study has shown that a respiratory infection like COVID, like influenza, does not increase your risk of a heart attack. But the COVID jab and the, and the flu jab, historically, has always been linked with an increase in heart attacks. Um, yeah. How stupid do people have to be to agree to be jabbed with an experimental unknown product? That's a great question. I think they will believe anything the media and government tells them. And um, Rocco said, not wearing a mask, Batman better look out. Absolutely. I can't put these comments on screen from Rumble. I can only do that from Twitch um, and DLive, I believe. But uh, I'll read them out loud so I know that I've seen them and you know that I've seen them too. Thank you for commenting. Um, oh, thank you, Beef Squad. Thank you for spreading. Hold on. Uh, this I can share. Hang on. Thank you for spreading awareness about the genocidal poisonous vaccines. My pleasure. And thank you for watching the show and hopefully sharing the information. I don't know if you were here when I announced that there is a link to a WeTransfer folder with all of the information that we're discussing today and more. So either go to the Rumble page, which is um, under the wire on Rumble, or to my Substack, which has a link to the WeTransfer, and that's informed choice substack.com and you can get that link and download all the files so thank you um here this is not a heart attack this is this is not a heart attack indiana mom of two dies after drinking too much water on a family vacation 35 year old woman died of water toxicity how much water did she drink was it gallons water toxicity does not occur with a little bit of water she had five small bottles of water 
I don't know how big they are. I'm going to guess 500 mils. So two and a half liters in a few hours, that is not enough to kill anyone. She did not die from water toxicity. They are blaming water toxicity so they don't have to look at the jab um, that she got before she died. And this is out of Canada. More people than expected um, are dying in Canada in 2023 for reasons that are not yet clear. Once again, doctors are baffled. Doctors are always baffled. I'm not baffled. I don't think you're baffled. We know why this increase in excess mortality um, has been happening since the jabs rolled out. This was not happening when we were in the midst of the world's deadliest pandemic. There was um, negative uh, mortality at that time. So whatever the baseline number of deaths per year or per five-year period, which is what they generally use for excess mortality, it's an average of the last five years. So whatever the, the baseline was during COVID, before we had any jabs, um, excess mortality was up below the baseline. In Australia, it reached as much as, from what I remember, 20% below. We are now approaching 40% above. And the TGA is actually removing deaths from the database. And I believe it's so that they can play with statistics and make it appear that there are fewer people dying um, after the COVID jab. But that's just me. How would I know? Um, this is from Dr. William Makis or Makis. Sorry, I mispronounced his name. Now, I interviewed him a few days ago. Brilliant doctor. And he has a substack, uh, William Makis. Uh, I think it's makismd.substack.com. But you'll find it um, if you download the folder. All of these are linked in there. And he is... He's got an amazing CV. He is a medical doctor. He is an oncologist, which is a cancer doctor. He is a nuclear medicine doctor and a radiologist and an immunologist. So, you know, he's got everything. Um, so he lost his license before COVID, nothing to do with COVID, um, but a lot to do with government corruption. And if you want to know more about that, you can watch the interview that I did with him a few days ago. I think it was out on Tuesday. Uh, it's funny, I can't even remember, and it's only a few days ago. But he writes on his Substack and covers three main issues. Turbo cancers, people who are developing cancer and Instead of going from stages one, two, three, and four, where there's you're able to be treated because you catch it early, they catch it early and they're already at stage four. And he said that some of these people are dying within hours of a diagnosis. So they go to the doctor and they get a diagnosis and the doctor is like, okay, we're going to start getting together a treatment plan, come back and see us the day after tomorrow. And the day after tomorrow, they're dead. They, they died like that afternoon they saw the doctor or they died within a matter of days or weeks afterwards. Um, so he covers that. He covers um, young people dying suddenly and he covers the deaths and the collapse of pilots, commercial pilots. Um, yes, Rocco, I'm going to cover that South African court order. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and yes, to, uh, the figures 
are being altered. Uh, we have evidence of that. I didn't include any of that in tonight's show, but I will. I will include that in the next show that I do. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. So um, Dr. Mackis has articles regularly on um, people dying suddenly in their sleep. And he said that young people dying in their sleep used to be vanishingly rare. And now he's analyzing 30 cases where young people had died in their sleep over a three-month period. And he is the only person who is actually doing these deep dive analyses into these deaths. And it's important information. And you would think that if the government actually was in the least bit concerned about this, they would be a, pulling the jabs until they knew that they weren't the cause of these deaths, and B, they'd be investigating why healthy young people are suddenly dying. Um, it's just some of these stories are incredibly heartbreaking. Another story that he published this week, that was two days ago, there have been five collapses of commercial pilots this week alone, three of them leading to death. One of them, um, the pilot was at the gate waiting to board and he collapsed and died on the way to the hospital. Two of these pilots died in the plane while it was flying. Thank God they'd taken off because if they hadn't taken off, the plane could have crashed. Uh, but the co-pilots in both of those cases had to take over and two of the, those two pilots died. Two others were taken to hospital and they're being treated. But Five pilots in one week, that is incredibly rare. Pilots are the most, um, just about, pilots and professional athletes are the most scrutinized uh, people when it comes to their health. Uh, pilots have to undergo batteries of tests constantly. And when I was in Tasmania with the, no, sorry, Victoria, with the Vaxxed bus, I met someone who is a CASA, which is Civil Aviation Safety Authority. I'm pretty sure that's what it stands for. He is a CASA liaison. Um, and he said that pilots right now are faking their exams. They are faking their heart exams. They take um, exams to make sure that their heart is okay. And they're faking it. They're getting other people to take the test for them. Um, I don't know how else they're faking them, but they're faking them. Uh, CASA is aware of this and nobody is doing anything. There's going to be a tragedy. Um, there have already been tragedies on small flights, you know, small planes, but nothing on a major jumbo jet as of yet. But as you can see, with five pilots collapsing in one week on commercial jets, um, it's only a matter of time. And this is something that the government is completely ignoring. Now, uh, Rocco, this is what Rocco was talking about. This has just happened. Um, there has been a court victory. Yes, it's so nice to know that somebody can win in court. Um, that uh, in South Africa, the government has been ordered to produce the contracts that they signed with all COVID-19 manufacture, jab manufacturers. And I think that includes the indemnity agreements and they only have until the 27th of august so seven days from today by law they are going to be required to produce those contracts they have kept this secret 
all around the world. There have been leaks. Um, I know that Argentina had quite a leak um, and uh, they were, I think the Argentinian contract required that the government uh, put up um, some of their military bases and other uh, public land as collateral in case Argentina didn't buy all the jabs that they had committed to buy. These are criminal organizations. I can't tell you. They are evil as they come. And I can only imagine that the government of South Africa is right now shaking in their shoes because they do not want this information to come out because there will be hell to pay when people find out what the government gave to these companies in order to get these jabs. And the thing is that the contracts that were signed with Pfizer, Moderna, Novavax around the world are the same. As far as we know, they're the same. So once we find out what the contracts say in South Africa, we will know what Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese have given up in Australia in order to get these jabs and in order to probably line their own pockets. I mean, I have no evidence that that's the case, but in my mind, it is my belief that there has been a lot of money changing hands between government officials uh, and these pharmaceutical companies. I can't think of another reason why they would outright. The government is not our friend. The government is democidal. They are absolutely, um, their policies are leading to the death and injury, long-term disablement of Australians. Yeah, um, Dupi said, I would not be catching a plane anywhere. It's Russian roulette. You know, I want to go home to the United States and I'm not going to do it. And I was thinking maybe I'll take a ship and go home that way. But if there's another pandemic, I could be stuck on the ship in my cabin with nowhere to go and nobody to see for God knows how long. And I don't want to be in that position either. It's crazy. They really have got us trapped. Um, so... Uh, watch this space too. I will be covering this on my Substack. I am praying that there will be no redactions on these documents and that they will include the information on the indemnification. Um, these companies and our governments are totally unethical. That's putting it nicely. Um, here is an ad. Um, this is from the United States. Uh, enrolling now! Exclamation point! Such excitement! Um, they are looking at a new COVID booster for ages 12 to 17. And if you want to volunteer, if you're in that age group and you want to volunteer, A, you don't need your parents' permission. Um, the It depends on what state. But like in most of the blue states, most of the Democrat states, they've passed legislation saying you don't need your parents' permission. You can be a mature minor. And you can basically give permission for yourself. So if you want to uh, be involved in this trial, uh, you'll be paid $955 over the course of the program, should you survive. So, you know, you will be paid, you know, royally for putting your health and your life on the line. And no doubt there are going to be many children who are going to be tempted because it's almost a thousand dollars. It's a lot of money for someone that age. Um, 
but it's not just the people who are taking the jabs who are getting bribed. Um, this is information from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, which is one of the biggest, um, I forget what they call them, M-O-H, H-O-M, I, I forget. They're, they're the insurance companies in the United States, and this is one of the largest ones. Um, people in the United States are shocked about this, but if they knew that Australia has had a policy like this for all vaccines, all childhood vaccines, since 1998, when the um, conscientious objector clause came in and the Child Care Payments Act became law, they'd be shocked. And our, our law on these sorts of bribes was based on a British law. Um, that was passed a few years earlier. So doctors have been bribed to give vaccines for decades. And um, probably about 15 years ago, the government was saying that they were going to withdraw one of these payments. And the head of the AMA came out at that time and said, if you don't pay us extra for this, we'll stop giving vaccines. So it shows you how committed the doctors are to the health of their patients. Anyway, um, this uh, healthcare outcomes, preventive health, um, I, I didn't realize until now it, it's different in the U.S. It's preventative here, it's preventive there. Anyway, um, these are payments that doctors will get if they get 63% of their practice children vaccinated up to date. Um, they will get $400 per uh per child for completing the, I think it says combo 10. I'm not sure what that means. 10 visits with children. I'm not sure for each eligible, eligible member. So if you're a pediatrician and you've got say 500 children under 10 in your practice, which I think is pretty reasonable, um, for them to have, then that's an awful lot of money for anyone to get. Um, and if you go down below that to say 62% fully vaccinated, you're going to be losing out on all of that money, which is why we see pediatricians here in Australia, in the United States, in the UK, and in every country that has these incentive bribes, uh, firing patients and telling them they don't want to see them anymore. Um, it's all about the money, guys. It's not about the health. It's about the money. So, um, and this is not COVID. These are the childhood vaccines. Now, I'm just letting you know that in um, late September, early October, uh, depending on whether or not the ACMA legislation passes and whether we have more lockdowns or not, I am planning on doing a series of seminars and workshops for parents and for health professionals if they want to come as well on the childhood vaccines because I feel that it's really important. We have a whole new cadre of people, health professionals and parents who never questioned vaccines before, but now with COVID, they are questioning it. But they think that all of this started with COVID. They don't know anything about the fact that this has been going on for 250 years. So um, these seminars will be about the uh, the risks of vaccinations, all vaccinations, and asking the three vital questions that every parent 
Everyone who is considering taking a vaccine for themselves or giving it to their children need to ask, are the vaccines necessary? Are the vaccines safe? And are the vaccines effective? So if you are interested in having one of these seminars in your area, let me know. I'm going to be starting in northern New South Wales and southeast Queensland as far as um, Mackay. I think going as far as Mackay. Um, Alona Lan is going to be helping me up in Queensland. And Nina at Logic, who I think many of you have met on the Vax bus, is going to be helping me in New South Wales. <coughs> Pardon me, but um, if you would be interested in having me come to your area to do one of these seminars, drop me a line either on my Substack, which again is informedchoice.substack.com or an email to admin at myinformedchoice.com.au and say where you live. Give me your contact details and say, I'd be interested in having you do seminars in my area and I'll be willing to help you set them up, find a venue, do all those things. Uh, it won't cost you anything. I just need people on the ground who know uh, the, the lay of the land, basically. So there we go. Um, I'm just looking to see if I've missed any comments here. Great time for all freedom leaders to put aside any differences and align themselves and their thousands of supporters to demand the national cabinet documents as ordered by Justice Richard White. Now, you are so right, Rocco. There is infighting that shouldn't be happening in our community. We need to unite. We are all out for the same common goal. Healthy people, healthy children, freedom of choice, freedom of speech. This is what unites us. Forget everything else. Nothing else matters. We have to remember that that's why we're here. And yeah, um, if Karen said, if I had a child, there is no way I would be agreeing to 50 jabs for my child. Karen, it's more than 50 jabs now. I can't understand why parents are not concerned. It is excessive and totally unnecessary. I'll tell you one of the reasons why parents are not concerned, and that is because they're not thinking about the number of vaccines that their children are getting at a, at a visit. The children may get three jabs at a visit, so they think, oh, that's only three vaccines. But they don't know that one of those jabs has seven um, vaccines in it, another one has five, and the other one has three. So, you know, they may be getting as many as 15 at one time. Um, especially if they're on a catch-up schedule. So they're not, they have no idea what is in those jabs. There was a survey that was done, gosh, this would have been in the late 1990s by the Catholic University in Brisbane. Um, they probably wouldn't get away with doing it now. But at that time, um, they stood, they, they, they watched the parents and spoke to the parents who were waiting online to get their children vaccinated at the council clinics. And I think they still do council clinics. Um, but they asked the parents what vaccines their children were due to get that day and what diseases they were made to, um, to prevent. And it was something well over 75% of the parents had no idea what vaccines their kids were getting and what diseases they were meant to prevent. They were told they had to get their kids vaccinated. It was a doctor who told them. They were told that they had to trust their doctors and they did it. So um, parents in many cases are totally unaware 
of what's happening. And I was unaware when I had my child, when I had my first child and he was injured by his vaccines. I had no idea that vaccines could cause any harm. I never looked into it. I was never told anything about it. And I just went along with it. And so many parents today are doing exactly the same thing that I did. Back then, it was not easy to find information. Today, yes, there's a lot of pressure, but the information is there. Parents are just in denial, I think. Um, and I honestly don't know how to reach them except by asking questions. And this is something that um, I've been told many times is that don't tell people things, ask them questions that make them think, make them want to look into it. So, oh, oh, you're taking your child in for their vaccines tomorrow. That's great. What jabs are they getting? Oh, you don't know. Okay. Um, do you know what they're meant to prevent? What are those jabs meant to prevent? You don't know. Don't you think you should? I'd look into it if I were you, you know, it's, it's kind of important. And, you know, things like that, just ask questions, plant a seed, start making them think. Because once they start to think, I got to tell you, I have never known one person who decided after researching that they were going to stop vaccinating, who later on down the track went back to giving vaccines. You don't go that way. You may never decide not to vaccinate, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I think we can all play a role in helping these people see that there are real valid scientific and logical questions that they need to be asking. Um, this is another bit of Pfizer data. Um, sorry, this is not another bit. This is the first bit. I have another one next. And I'm hoping I can actually show this to you. This is from New Zealand. Um, Pfizer, and this is the information is not from New Zealand, um, but this was someone in New Zealand posting this. Pfizer was supposed to release safety data on um, maternity, giving the jabs in pregnancy. Now we were told all along that, oh, the jabs are perfectly safe. They've been very well tested and you know there are no problems whatsoever. In fact, your baby is more likely to be harmed if you don't take the jab by COVID than they are if you do take the jab by the vaccine. And that is a complete absolute lie. And as we've seen in Australia with a 67% decline in live births as of December 2021, and um, mortality, not mortality, um, the, uh, uh, the number of babies who are being born and infant mortality, um, number of babies born is declining like crazy. Fertility is going down. The number of babies dying in the womb or dying soon after birth is shooting up. And this is all since the jab came in. So this whole document is again in that folder, but I'm just going to go through some of this. So Pfizer was supposed to have released this information a year ago. They released it a year late. Um, Funny, I don't see this reported anywhere in the mainstream media. You'd think they would be reporting this, but um, this is uh, this person said, I just had a quick look through the data for birth defects in infant health for the babies of vaccinated mothers versus babies of the placebo group. Now, don't forget that 250-odd women during the pre-release trials um, they were told not to get pregnant women, but 250 of them fell pregnant during this pre-release trial. Only 33 of those women 
were able to be tracked. How the hell did Pfizer lose track of those people? I have no idea. But 33 of them were tracked. And of those 33, only one of them had a live baby. 32 of them had babies that died in the womb. That in and of itself should have made people say there is no way this should be given to pregnant women or anyone. But um, so a few things stand out to this person at her first viewing. I'm pretty sure it's a woman. 16% uh, of infants had congenital malformations. 16%. 1% of the babies of vaccinated mothers and 3% of the babies in the placebo group. Wait a minute. Hang on. Something. Oh, 6% of the babies in vaccine. That doesn't add up to 16%. But it is a 100% increase in congenital abnormalities. That doesn't make sense to me. 19% of infants with adverse events of special interest from birth to six months, including congenital abnormalities and developmental delays. So almost one in five had adverse events of special interest within the first six months after they were born. 5.1% from vaccinated mothers, 1.3% from placebo mothers. What I want to know is, what was the placebo? I'll bet you anything it wasn't saline solution, but maybe it was. I'll, I'll stand corrected if it is. There was a 292% increase in adverse events of special interest. That's a, that's a pretty significant uh, increase. Um, and then she's got the, uh, the serious adverse events table. Um, so there were 156 vaccinated mothers and 159 in the placebo group, 200% increase in congenital heart deformities, neonatal jaundice, seven babies born to vaccinated mothers, four babies born to the placebo mothers, uh, congenital navis. Now, I have no idea what that is. I apologize. Um, an APGAR score low, four babies in vaccinated mothers, two babies, two placebo mothers. So again, we're being told that there is no safety signal in any age group. And we're not told there's no safety signal in pregnancy. Um, and I think that the people who are supposed to be looking for the safety signals are totally blind, deaf, and as dumb as they come. Um, but maybe they're just paid to be that way. I don't know. Um, this is uh, just a, <laughs> this is from uh, the bad cat on Substack. I love the bad cat. He, he He's very funny, but he's also got a real, um, a large amount of intelligence when it comes to reading studies and making connections. And this is one he's got, Shot and Chaser. Pfizer uh, gave a fellowship to Rutgers University. Basically, they're scholarships and uh, they may have uh, funded a lab to do some work. Most of the universities in the United States and probably the universities around the world um, receive huge amounts of money in the form of grants and scholarships from the pharmaceutical industry. Um, so in 2022, Pfizer 
funded a fellowship program at Rutgers, and wouldn't you know it, um, on August 15th, the same Rutgers University is set to kick all students out on August 15th if they are not compliant with COVID vaccine mandates. That's August 15th, 2023. So even though we know for a fact that these jabs do not prevent infection or transmission, and in fact, that they have negative efficacy, that you are more likely to get COVID, if you want to call it that, that you are more likely to get ill if you're jabbed than if you are unjabbed. Um, even though all of that is known, uh, the uh, Rutgers University is going to be kicking students out who don't comply. It's all about compliance. It's all about not questioning. It's all about doing what you're told. And um, so you think there's a connection? Do you think there's a correction, a connection here? Um, I do. Shot and Chaser. I think it's a very strong connection. Karen says she's reading Turtles all the way down and horrified to read placebos aren't placebos, but another jab. It is criminal, the acceptance of this nonsense to cover up adverse reactions. If you guys have not read Turtles all the way down, please do. It is a brilliant, brilliant book. It was written, I think, right at the beginning of the scandemic, and um, it's it's great. It it describes really well why so much of what we consider to be science isn't. And yes, placebos, since about the 1980s, prior to the 1980s, there were saline salivo... <laughs> saline placebo trials, pardon me, I'm falling over my words, but from about the late 1970s, early 1980s, um, the pharmaceutical industry started to fund most vaccine trials, and they were not overseen by anyone, and they could call anything they wanted a placebo. For those who don't know what a placebo is, by definition, a placebo is and a totally inert substance that has no effect on the body. So if it's an injection, it's saline solution. If it's something taken by mouth, it's a sugar pill. And the people who are taking the, um, the who are involved in the trial don't know whether they're getting the actual drug or the placebo and the people administering the drug, don't know if they're administering the drug or the placebo, and there needs to be a long-term trial where people are tracked to see whether A, those who get the drug are less likely to get the, whatever the drug is meant to prevent, and B, whether the people who get the drug are um, more likely to have side effects than the people who get the placebo. When vaccine trials are run, they almost never, I mean, I can probably count on the fingers of one hand, the trials where there has been a saline placebo. Um, and even then, they totally perverted the trial. Um, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But these placebos, or as I prefer to call them, nocebos, because they're not placebos, are always either another vaccine or a vaccine adjuvant. So um, if it's uh, uh, not mercury, because they're not using mercury in most vaccines now, um, but an aluminium adjuvant 
or a 2-phenoxyethanol adjuvant, something that is extremely toxic to the body. And now I'll tell you about what happened when there was an actual saline placebo. The Gardasil vaccine, when they were doing the uh, pre-licensure trials, they had three groups. Robert Kennedy did a fabulous video on this. You can go to the um, Children's Health Defense website, look up Gardasil video. I can't remember the exact name of it, but if you just look up Gardasil video, I'm sure you'll find it. Watch it. Because there were three trial groups, one that got Gardasil, one that got a saline placebo, and one that got the adjuvant, which was 225 micrograms of aluminum extremely toxic, neurotoxic, causes all sorts of problems through the whole body. What, what Merck did in this trial to cover up the reactions is they actually uh, mixed in the saline group with the, um, the adjuvant group. So you never knew what how many reactions there were in either group. It was totally unscientific, totally fraudulent. The, I don't remember the exact dates because, I mean, the exact statistics because it's been a while, but those who got Gardasil and those who got the placebo, which was a mix of the saline and the adjuvant, um, in the Gardasil group, there were about 92%, give or take, who had systemic reactions. Those are reactions that take into, uh, that affected um, several areas of the body. That's why it's called systemic. It goes through the whole system. So about 92% of the people who got Gardasil had a systemic reaction. If you were going to be testing a drug and you had that kind of uh, reaction rate, you would say this drug is terrible. We're not going to do it. But, and again, I don't remember the exact statistic, but the placebo group, which was not a placebo, had about 90% systemic reactions. And because the placebo, or it might've been 93%, so slightly more than Gardasil, because the placebo had more reactions than Gardasil, they said, oh, that's great. Gardasil's safe. Let's release it. It was supposed to be trialed for three years. They called it off early because they said it was an emergency. Women were dying of cervical cancer and therefore we're going to release it. And what we've seen since then is mass infertility, mass death, and women and men now um, who have lived lives of abject misery because of the reactions they've had from Gardasil. Um, Rocco said murder by injection by Eustace Mullins. Yes, a great book, an old one, but a very good one. Um, we have to remember this history. And I think you can get that one online for free. I'm pretty sure um, it's, it's available for free. So uh, I would recommend reading that too. Uh, we're almost at the end. I just wanted to show another couple of slides. Um, for everyone who says that there is absolutely no link between the COVID jab and death, um, we have 996 deaths reported in Australia. The government is still saying only 14 of them have been caused by the COVID jab. And I would say I've met many, many people whose loved ones have died following the COVID jab and they were not reported. So I would say that 996 is the tip of the iceberg. But these are figures from England on excess deaths. And what they've done is they've overlaid where each 
dose of the COVID jab came in. So the white is the first dose. So as you can see where the white one started, there was a, a straight up and down increase in excess deaths. Um, now, uh, the same thing with the second dose and the boosters. There are two boosters here. And you can see that excess deaths increase every time. And like if you look at that orange, um, the, the, it's the orange line, the deaths per day. If you look at that orange line, yes, there were large numbers of deaths for a short space of time during COVID. We know that in the UK, hospitals were killing people with midazolam and with intubation. They were doing it. They were ordered to do it. A lot of those deaths were unnecessary deaths, uh, murders by hospitals. But the fact that these deaths continued when the jabs came in and that the uh, the curve, the actual, um, the, the you can see on the graph that these peaks are taking place when the uh, jabs and the boosters were being administered, it's a really strong sign that the jabs were causing these excess deaths to occur in the UK. And this is another uh, graph. This is from the Ethical Skeptic, another person who's wonderful to follow on both Twitter and on Substack. Um, I'm pretty sure he's on Substack. I think he is. This is from Mortality and Morbidity Weekly report in the United States. Now, these are deaths, all non-COVID mortality. So these are none of these are deaths from COVID. That orange line that goes across, that is the baseline. Again, I said that we always have a baseline and it's usually the average of the previous five years. So um, you can see 2018, the deaths go up and down, but they're always around that baseline. Not much of a variation. Some months they're up a little bit, some months they're down a little bit. Then 2020 comes in and we see a huge increase. Much like the UK, most of the deaths that took place in the United States during the early days of the scandemic were deaths in hospital caused by intubation and withholding of treatment, especially in the elderly. Um, they were not allowing any early treatment. If someone was sick, they were sent home until they couldn't breathe. Then they were intubated and they died. So um, you can see that 2020, there were quite a huge increase in excess mortality. Then the jab came in in December in the United States. They got it earlier than us, a few months earlier. December 2020 is when the COVID jab came in. Now, if I can look at this, I can see that December there was a peak of deaths and then it came down slightly. I guess, you know, after they were administering the jabs, everybody who could get it got it and the deaths came down. Then as 2021 came on, there was a um another two peaks were they peaks that equate with the um the the second dose and the booster i'm not sure but um look at the difference between the baseline and the excess mortality uh there is a new study out of the united states from the uh actuaries these are the people who uh decide whether or not um people are good to insure or not. They're a good risk to insure. And um, 
this these actuaries i believe that the amount of excess deaths that they have discovered in people from birth to age 35 i think i maybe 40 um it was a 40% increase in excess mortality that has never ever been seen before and that has been consistent uh, right through COVID. It is the healthy working age people and the young people who are dying. Um, and this is a disaster, an absolute disaster. So this information, the government in Australia has access to this. If I can find it, they can find it. Um, the pharmaceutical companies certainly know this information, though they've tried to cover it up pretty well. The media I don't know if they know this information because most of them are too stupid to even be able to read and write. I don't know what they do. They may use AI to write their articles most of the time. But we cannot count on any of these people that we've been told are authorities, not the government, not the pharmaceutical company, not the medical industry, and not the media, the mainstream media. We have to be the authority for ourselves and for our family, and we can do it. Everybody who's watching this can see that they can do it. And um, we need to actually make sure that people are aware as much as we can of this information. Again, you don't want to get people offside, but try and find a way to ask questions about this of people who are still asleep. Because when not if, but when the government comes in and says, we are bringing back masking and quarantining and social distancing and mandatory testing and mandatory jabbing, WA already has a law that allows them to basically hold you down and jab you. Um, when that happens, we need as many people on our side as we can possibly get. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a very difficult time for all of us. So let's share the information. Let's share the love and make sure that we feel strong in and of ourselves, uh, strong enough to stand up and defend our families, defend our community, defend our Australia against these genocidal maniacs who are out there to harm us. Uh, and as hard as it is to imagine that our own government and our medical community are harming us. The evidence is irrefutable that they are, whether it's intentional or not, that is the outcome. So, um, oh, thank you so much, Karen. I appreciate that. And Cricket, I will take a look at that video. Thank you for sharing it. Um, I want to thank everyone so much for joining me on Under the Wire. If I can just point out that there is a podcast of Under the Wire that will be uploaded tomorrow to Spotify, and um, it's also on Apple Podcasts, Google Casts, and a couple of other uh, uh, podcast servers. Uh, if you can possibly share uh, the links, uh, that would be very much appreciated because um, we are totally censored in most venues so um, any help that you can give with getting the word out would be really appreciated and i hope that you all have a wonderful wonderful week um thank you again for coming onto the show and 
communicating with me and watching. And I will see you all next Sunday on Under the Wire. Until then, take care. Have a great week. See you later. Bye-bye.